Today I'm really stoked to uh, be sitting down with Luigi Cortez, someone I actually met last night uh, in town in Vail. He's 27, he's a graduate of West Point, the United States Military Academy, and is active duty in the Army. Is that correct? That's correct. Do you mind explaining a little more what you're doing right now? So I am a rocket artillery officer, and I am in 1-14 in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. So that is a high Mars unit, and what they specialize in is a weapon system that works with the Air Force that basically you transport, they go out on the landing zone, they do their thing, and then they hop back on the plane and hop out of the area. Wow. And you're an officer in the, in the, in the Army, is that correct? Correct. And what, is, what exactly does that mean? Like, what are, those, what are those responsibilities of being an officer? So, well, it depends on what job you're doing, but at the basic platoon level, which is what every West Point cadet aspires to be when they graduate, they always prepare you for that platoon leader job. What you're basically doing is you're in charge, depending on what type of unit you're, you're with, you're either in charge of a group of about 10 to 25 people, maybe 40 if you're in an infantry platoon. And what you're doing is organizing and setting up basically all the assets that those guys need to train and basically go do their job. Wow. And so you're, you're on a very like personal level, you're a concierge and a friend and a voice of wisdom, but on like the army aspect of it, you're a secretary. So you wow. do all the admin work to make sure that your particular group is able to accomplish the mission that they assigned to you. Wow. Do you feel like West Point prepared you to be a leader? It definitely prepared me to be a leader. And so um, you, you, what they do is they, they set you up with what they like to call the, the toolkit. And so you have all of these different like, Things that you remember either randomly from some academic class or some meeting with a mentor, some some experience there that you basically just pulled that out of your back pocket in a random situation. And you're like, hmm, like I could use this here. And that and that's the the pretty cool part about the place. It's you learn to adapt and overcome whatever environment you're in. Wow. And you 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 characterized West Point last night as like kind of a challenging place, like really like pretty tough you know, environment. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about what it's like to be in West Point? So, yeah, I, I could start off with what the basic cadet does in the morning. So you would wake up around six o'clock, six thirty. you would have a, what's called a morning formation. You get accountability, make sure all your peoples are there. Then you go to lunch format. Uh, you go to breakfast, sorry. You go to breakfast, you eat, and then everyone's in like a family setting. There's a table of 10, now 12. And so, Excuse me. Um, while you're there at the table, there's like a hierarchy ranking system there. And so everyone on the lower, like the still the younger students are toward the opposite end of the table. And you'll always have one table head who is a senior, either female, male. That officer is in charge of the table. And so there's a very structured like family organization um, aspect there. And so you'll these will be the people that you break bread with every day for at least that year. Wow. And so you get really close with everyone there. So you'll eat your meals together for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, but going back to that breakfast aspect, once breakfast is over, you have class. You start class from 7.30 until about 11.30. Again, you go to your room. There's a lunch accountability formation. Then you go back to lunch in the mess hall. Then after you eat lunch, you have what's called Dean's Hour, which is like a break in the day. I think it was about... 
11, no, 12.30 to 1 o'clock-ish. Okay. Or 12.30 to 1.30-ish, sorry. And then, so, after Dean's hour, you have your last block of instruction for the day, and that goes on until about 1,600. And after that, depending on the student, you either have intramural sports or some sort of team activity, or if you're a D1 athlete, you go do some sort of club athletic sport, whatever, lacrosse practice, whatever you may have it. And then usually everyone's back in the room by like 5, 6 p.m., I would say. And then from there, you're doing homework until what ungodly hours of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, met, you uh, majored in engineering, is that correct? Yes, I studied electrical engineering and psychology while I was over there. Was that something like that you had an interest in, you know, before going to college? Yes, definitely. Uh, the psychology part um, I found while I was there because I felt like I needed a better understanding of myself before I could understand my soldiers or pretty much just like the world and what kind of environment I would be in. And then the engineering part, I was, I loved to build as a kid. It was something that stuck with me. Um, my dad owned a gas station when I was younger and I loved working on him for, with, for hours on like fixing cars. And so there was always that sense of accomplishment when I felt we were able to fix something and get it running. And just basically if we needed to build something from scratch, we were able to do that. Wow. So I love that technical problem solving aspect. Whoa. And also, would you describe yourself as a math brain? You get the numbers. I mean, that's a big part of engineering, right? Yeah. So I'm definitely a logical-based person. Um, again, why I needed to go back to that psychology aspect is I needed to feel like I needed to learn some emotional and self-mastery there. Mm. And so there, wow. there, was, there was a little bit of purpose behind it. What's like a cool thing that you learned in psychology that might have helped you, you know, achieve that self-mastery? Um, patience, uh, active listening. And I think be like reflection is probably the biggest thing. Mm. And so really being able to, especially, you know, in, in a military aspect, you, you're, the whole reason you're there is kind of like, you, you're trying to solve problems. And I think one of the biggest things I remember from, uh, one of the graduation speeches that, um, that we had at West Point was actually president Obama at the time when he was president he said, just because we have the world's best hammer doesn't mean that every problem we face is a nail. Whoa. And so that one really stuck with me. And I, I, I like to view myself in that situation pretty much if like the, the nature of our job. Wait, what does that mean exactly that we, you know, we might have the best hammer, but not every problem is a nail? So for us, we kind of took it as in like, yes, we're, we're there as the enforcers, like the, the enforcers, the, the U.S. might, if you will, but just because we have that capability doesn't mean that every problem we face has to be solved through a butt whooping or some sort of like <sighs> physical altercation. You know, there's like mm. a lot of things in negotiating and, and compromise that you can make before you have to get to that point. If you do. Whoa, that's super interesting. I like that. Yeah. That makes sense to me, man. And can you, so you said your dad owned a gas station. Can you talk a little bit about your background and how you got to, to West Point and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, of course. So both my parents are from South America. My mother is Colombian. My father is Chilean. Uh, my dad was a cab driver. And at the time, he also owned a gas station. And so that's kind of like how I remember my father is he was like a South American dude that literally just came from like the backwoods of Valparaiso, Chile. And his ultimate dream was like to have his kids like just do better than he did. Like that was his American dream to set me and my sister up for success. And I think he did a pretty good job, you know? It's not really often you get to hear someone say, like, I came from nowhere with, like, $17 to my name in my pocket, not knowing the language of the land, but yet 
I have kids that went to like two of the most prestigious like schools like arguably in the country. Wow. And so like I thought that was a pretty cool thing. And honestly, I never I don't consider myself like anything special or articulate because I went there. It but people have told me it's like, you know, it's a big deal. Like you have to accept that for what it is. And so I've over the years I've humbled to it and it's like, yes, it is a pretty pretty big responsibility. Right, totally. And so like <laughs> it, it is daunting and like I've I've been reminded of it several times. Um, I think to me, the most prolific time I was reminded of it is the first time I went overseas to Korea. And that was kind of like when I had to look in the auditorium of people's eyes, you know, and be like, hey, these are wives and husbands and sons, daughters, brothers that I'm taking with me. And I got to make sure like everyone comes back without injury or harm or anything. And granted, I know Korea was not a combat zone, but the military in general is a dangerous place. And there were people that have died, like just doing their normal daily jobs out there. And so that was the biggest thing for me is I want to make sure I'm not going to have to tell someone like, hey, something stupid happened at work. Your loved one got crushed or something. Mm. Like, I'm sorry. Can't even imagine that. No. So that was my dad. And my mom, she was from Columbia. Uh, She works right now at Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City. Um, she's a nurse. And so she really prided herself on the education aspect. I mean, so did my dad, but she definitely hammered it home. It's kind of like, you guys are the first generations, first generation Americans. You need to better educate yourself to have a better quality of life than what we have now. Not to say that we were, you know, we were like dying or on the verge of starvation or anything like that. But they definitely wanted like better for us. And I, I don't blame them in that aspect. Everyone wants better for their children or their future generations. Yeah. I mean, that is literally what like you look at the news as the current political struggle. People are trying to fight to have better than what we currently have. Mm. Wow. And do you feel like for you and your family that way it was through education and the military? Um, there was definitely a um, there was never a push for the military, even though my dad was in the Chilean Navy. It, it was There was never a push there, but I think I just gravitated toward it. Um, when I was in high school, we had a JROTC program, and I just kind of gravitated toward the people. And then like and likewise, when I went to visit the universities, um, I visited West Point. I just fell in love with the community. Hmm. It was kind of like, this is where I have to be. I don't know why, but like it speaks to me. Whoa. And so, I mean, I made it my goal to get there. And it took me three times to get in, but I finally got in. And then there were definitely moments where I wanted to, because everyone has those, you you want to quit and you want to say, why am I doing this? Like this is, I'm doing so much stress or like dealing with so much that a lot of college students or people my age aren't dealing with. And you kind of realize, well, yeah, because you're trying to get, do a job that most people are not going to do. Mm. And so I had to remind myself of that a couple of times, but, um, the fact that when my dad passed away right before my freshman year, one of the things I promised him on his deathbed was that, hey, I'm going to graduate from this place. And so when when those dark days hit and like it was like five o'clock in the morning or four o'clock and I'm freezing my butt off and we're outside in the cold, I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm like, all right, I got a promise to keep. So I'm gonna just keep going. Wow. So in those hardest moments, you you had that in the back of your head and there was no way you were giving up. No. Wow. What do you mean when you say you had to, re- uh, like, it took you three times to get in? So um, when I was applying in high school, I originally got accepted into the class of 2015. Before you can actually 
um, become a student at West Point, you have what's called a, you have cadet summer training during um, CST. And so your freshman year, you have what's called Beast Barracks and like the biggest known day of the year, our day, which is kind of like indoctrination day. Like they try to find the better word to describe it, but kind of like break you into like the culture that you're about to join. And so for a lot of people, it's stressful, stressful. You got, you got a lot of like physical weight on you. Like there are people yelling at you everywhere. Like you're, you're confused. And so it is like, you're being thrown into like a maelstrom of like just stuff going on everywhere. And a lot of people, unfortunately they fold under the pressure. And so some leave that first day, but that pressure keeps going and going, going throughout the whole summer. And so in order to like be able to handle that, you have to be, your body has to be physically ready for those demands. You're rucking up mountains. You're learning how to repel. You're throwing grenades. You're basically, you're learning how to be a soldier. And so your body has to be physically capable. At the time I had torn my ACL. And so I was told like, hey, you can't do it. And so I understood. And so again, applied for a class of 2016. Um, at the time, that's when my father had passed away and my grades dipped. And so due to the lack of, uh, due to the lack of good grades, it's kind of like, we're going to have to resign that appointment because you're kind of like, you're, you're not academically smart. It, it looks like you're struggling and we're scared that you're not going to have what it takes to get through. And so I fought and eventually I was able to get a slot into prep school. And so once I proved my merit in prep school, I, um, I was able to gain a slot for the class of 2017. Wow. And how old were you at that time? Um, at that time I would have been, I think about 19, 20. So you had graduated high school by that point. Yeah. Okay. So I had graduated high school. I ended up doing a year in um, civilian college. I went to Queens College for a year. Then I ended up doing that year of prep school. And then I was finally able to start at the academy. Mm. Dang. And can you talk a little bit about how you ended up in Vail? Um, so again, with that new job I have. So I'm still trying to learn the intricacies of the weapon systems we're operating in. And so basically I'm getting my bearings for the near the nearby air force bases that we can potentially work with and what their capabilities of their airframes are in regards to how they operate with us because it is a very like it is a very unique weapon system and then it's also a very unique procedure for those airframes to load us up and be able to do what they have to do with us because we have to do all these crazy things like laser measurements seeing where the center of mass is like for these vehicles how they can plan their takeoffs, um, what are the minimum necessary requirements for a runway length. And so there's all these intricacies that I'm basically trying to understand a doctrine of, and that's why I'm wow. in there. Yep. And it's just you here right now. You're not like with a huge group of people. Nope, it's just me. Wow. Super cool, man. And you said you'll be coming here on the weekends or whatever, trying to get here as much as you can? Pretty much. And they'll send me as necessary, but it, it looks like frequently. Yeah. And so what do you think, the, what does the future hold for you? Like, what are your, what are your long-term ambitions? Well, see, that, that is so difficult to me to answer at the moment, just because I'm currently on this phase in my life where I'm really trying to find my sense of purpose. Mm. And even though I feel like I'm doing a great job in the military, I want to see where I could do, basically have a most, the most impact in an area that needs it with the talents I have. Wow. And so, yeah, that, I know it's it's like really out there and like foo foo, but I think I think really we're I'm um, I'm heading towards eventually once I do leave the military and I could 
um, use my engineering background, I would like to do some sort of um, work on transportation systems, probably autonomous in like the up and coming neighborhoods. Because at, at the end of the day, the easier you're able to get to places, the more you're able to interact, the more you're able to learn. You're basically just able to get out of your shell. Hmm. And I think that for me was one of the biggest things about living in New York City was I just experienced so many different cultures, people, languages, like traditions. It it made me better at West Point and then outside in the regular army because nothing really phased me or daunted me or like made me scared. Like I was never scared of difference, mm. if that makes sense. Wow. Like, like, like the unknown didn't really like throw me off. It was like, that's cool. And so having that curiosity, I think is a big one up. Wow. That natural curiosity about people that are different from you and growing up in such a, in such a diverse environment. Yeah, exactly. And so just going to different places and like just seeing and doing and trying new things. I think a lot of people, they get into that anxiety, anxiety mode where they feel like, oh, I'm going to get judged or something or bad. And like, they have like, they make up these excuses for not wanting to do something. And like, I got it. I was in that phase too at one point. Sometimes you just got to just go out there, just do shoot your shot. And if like, if whatever reason it doesn't work out for you, just take it to the chin like a champ and move on. You learned the lesson and you just keep going. It's time for the next game. Mm, wow. Are these are these philosophies? Because this I'm seeing the leader side of you coming out right now. Are these things that you think you've learned through the military, or are have there been other influences that have helped you know develop your leadership? Um, I would definitely say the military is a big aspect of it. Um, I would think in general life experiences. I think those again, it's it's not usual that you have like a family member pass away on you, mm. and so it kind of forces you to grow up fast. And then other circumstances like similar to that nature um, that didn't necessarily revolve around the military are kind of what prepare you. And I would think a big one is too, is sports. Like um, don't ever knock sports. You'd be surprised at how much you learn like on the field, like playing soccer, on the court, playing basketball. You, you learn a lot of leadership in sports. You learn how to lose. You learn how to be a friend. You, and one thing I've, I've heard recently, actually I, earlier when I was by a park, um, one of the parents was talking to a little kid and was like, oh, don't, don't, don't be a follower. You, you want to be a leader. And I was like, that's so wrong. You, you got to know when to do both. There's a time and place. And so th those different like little experiences here and there all accumulated to like where I'm at now. Wow. Can you expand a little bit on what you mean by that? There's sometimes you need to be a leader and sometimes you don't. Yeah. So I, I think. People, and I'll give a good example too with myself as a lieutenant. I think people are like, well, you're in charge. Like, so whatever you say goes and like gun ho and da da da. And so it's like, it's because there's the existence of a hierarchy automatically. It's almost like dictatorship or the belief thereof. And it's kind of like, that's not what you want. What you want is you want to coach and mentor people to be like intrinsically motivated to do what they got to do to better themselves. And so you could tell people what to do, but by doing so, you're not really, A, allowing them personal growth or B, setting yourself up for success in the long run because eventually you're not going to be there anymore and then someone's not going to be able to, to fill your shoes. And so one, one big philosophy, in my opinion, that I picked up over the years is that the testament to how good of a job you did working with a group is not how awesome they are 
when you're there, it's how awesome they keep being after you're gone. Wow. And so they picked up on what you put down. And if they didn't and it all goes to afterwards, it's because you just told them what to do. And I'm like, sick, dude. Like anyone can do that. Wow. And do you think another key component of leadership is taking responsibility, like taking responsibility when the group isn't, you know, cohesive or doing a good job or just, you know, keeping up, you know, the way that you tried to set them up? Um, there's definitely faults that you should take responsibility for, but there, that, and then again, there, there, those were some personal struggles that I had to deal with and like was told to my face, like, Hey, you can't keep beating yourself up for something that happened to so-and-so at that place in time. Cause at the end of the day, you're not in their shoes, making their decisions for them. What you do is you provide like the assets or like the, the, the guidance basically for them to like make good decisions. And if they don't, you can't fault yourself for that. You tried. It's like being a parent. Mm. It's like if your kid does something bad at school, you didn't tell them to do that. You can't, you, you can't hold yourself accountable because they're being like a little turd. <laughs> right. But what you do either before that or after that incident, that's what like, that's where your true parenting comes in. Mm, man. <laughs> well, Luigi, one thing that I brought onto my podcast recently, I want to ask you now, um, in my opinion, is the hardest question to ask someone. Um, what is the meaning of life? Ooh. I think for me, the meaning of life is to find your purpose and do something with it. So when the day comes that you finally close your eyes, you don't have to really question why you were here. Whoa. That's that's a beautiful answer, man. It's almost like you you knew that coming in here that you were going to say that, bro. <laughs> well, I I didn't, but I I do like I had I especially while I was in Korea and I started to appreciate like Zen Buddhism and stuff. I do love looking at that philosophy and the wisdom and like I said, I needed to do a lot of inner reflection to figure out what is my sense of purpose and like how do I find joy in the things I'm doing? How do I help bring joy in the people I'm working with, because at the end of the day, their happiness is my not my responsibility. It's every, it's your happiness is an individual's, and so I could try to do what I can, but at the end of the day, it's all them. Wow. And what? So we have a lot of listeners who are in their twenties. What would your advice to them be? Um, you're 27. What would your advice to some of these younger, you know, 20 year olds be? Make mistakes. Um, one of the biggest things I uh, I ever learned from a three-star general, uh, General Kazan, because I almost got kicked out of West Point at one point, and that's a whole nother tangent that I'll get on on, on another occasion. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he always told me when that happened and I was standing in front of his office and I was like damn near on the verge of like soiling my pants in front of him because I thought I was for sure going to get kicked out. He said, Lou, remember this lesson, share your story and fail forward. And so that's one thing I always took with me. It's like, don't be scared to make a mistake. Just do it. Don't, yes, there are right and wrong decisions, but do something. Don't be like a deer in the headlights. Just make, make a call. And if you don't make the right one, just remember it. Remember it, get past it, and don't worry about people judging you. Because at the end of the day, everyone's going to have a comment or a perception of you. Just be unapologetically you. That is one thing that took me, took me personally the longest to realize like throughout my different experiences in life. Like find that self-love, be unapologetically you and just keep going. Man. And like, just beware of the energy vampires, I would say. Cause there's some people that are gonna try to rob you of your vibe or your light and just be like, nah, don't do this or this isn't a good idea or da 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 da. 
trust you, trust your gut instinct. And like I said, if you make the wrong decision, who cares? Your life doesn't come with a manual. You're learning. Like I'm still learning. I'll probably go make a mistake tomorrow. I don't know what, but I'll probably go make one. I mean, if there, you know, there, if there aren't like a couple already out running around in the world that I don't know of, like <laughs> God knows. <laughs> right. Oh man. Well, Lou did a lot of wisdom nuggets in this episode, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come sit down with me. I know you got to be somewhere, but, uh, I, maybe maybe a second episode. It sounds like there's a lot of stories we haven't even tapped yet. But, uh, dude, I think you've already had a lot of really meaningful experiences in your life and growing up to be, I mean, I think you're cool as hell. And I, I mean, I'm just getting to know you, but you can already tell that you're a special person. So, Lou, thank you so much for coming on In The Area podcast. If, uh, if you guys enjoyed this content, make sure to uh, subscribe us. If you really enjoyed us, give us a review. But uh, once again, Luigi Cortez, thank you, man. Appreciate you. I appreciate everyone st- uh, l- stopping by. Woo! Boom, boom. <laughs> Just wanted to say that the views and opinions expressed on today's podcast are those of myself and the author. They don't necessarily reflect any of the official policies or positions of the United States Army or West Point. So any content provided by our bloggers or authors are of their opinion and not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. So thank you for your time.